and we could do a clap in three, two, one. <laughs> That's the most wonderful sound in the entire world. Everybody clapping at once. All right, I got to crack open <laughs> a cold one because it's the annual. And uh, Nice sound effects there. <laughs> I know. It's not a soundboard. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, no, I'm not actually drinking a beer this time around because I was very terribly hungover yesterday and now I'm scared of alcohol and I don't... I just didn't feel like today would be a good day to do that. So having myself a nice energy drink um, because... Okay, but you know caffeine is dehydrating too. <laughs> Let's get on with the show. Michael drinks some water. <laughs> yes. This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin, with me this week. You wouldn't believe it. There are four fantastic human beings with me. This is the annual episode for I Read Comic Books, and oh my goodness, do we have a show today, mostly because we've just got four amazing humans that are here with me, a piece of garbage. We've got Paul Jaceley. Hello. Tia Vasiliu. Hey. Nick White. Hey. And Kate Lamphere. Hi. This is annual number four, which means this is like year five of I Read Comic Books. This is the fifth anniversary of us doing this insane show. We haven't yet hit 200 episodes, but that's coming. Let me ask the question I ask every single week, though. How have you been? How have comics book? Excuse me. How have comic books been? How have you been? <laughs> Let's start with you, Paul. Uh, well, thanks, I, can't, Mike. I can't say anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's all right, Mike. We forgive you. Um, I'm just happy to be here with you all today. Um, I'm staying inside and keeping warm. We have some uh, winter weather advisories here in West Michigan. So um, yeah, yeah. I'm just staying inside today. So other than that, things are going pretty well. I actually read GoBots number three earlier today, and I wanted to talk about it with you because I know this was your pick. Um, a couple episodes ago, right, Mike? Yes. And Paul, I'll be completely honest with you. I haven't read it yet because oh. <laughs> I've been doing this weird thing. I'm reading all sorts of backlog books before I get to my regulars, and I'm just way behind now on everything. I, but, I understand. I'm the same way sometimes. Yeah. Well, what did you think? This book is absolutely bonkers in the best possible way. This is, um, of, go- of course, Tom Scioli doing his take on the... Um, I don't want to say beloved because I don't think anyone really remembers them fondly. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the Maybe GoBots occasionally franchise. remembered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vaguely remembered GoBots. Um, this book is even weirder and crazier and more bonkers than um, his legendary Transformers versus G.I. Joe book, which we all loved mm-hmm. on the show, I think. Um, and what's great about GoBots is that it's a five-issue miniseries, and this is issue three, and I literally have no idea how he's going to finish it because the hyper acceleration of the story is incredible so um basically by the end of issue two the evil gobots have taken over the planet and then <laughs> issue three <laughs> you know i don't want to give too much away but there's there's a thing where you have these uh astronauts traveling through space and they pass by an inhabited planet and they land on it like boy i wonder what planet this is because there's no human life on it and then there's a big you know tw- twilight zone esque reveal at the end of the issue which is pretty obvious you know what planet it really is you know um mars so the fact <laughs> and elon <laughs> musk's car is already there 
Very close. Uh, a planet with no uh, living humans and a bunch of uh, very angry gobots on it. So put two and two together. There. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the fact that this book is so crazy over the top, it, it is hyper compressed storytelling. Like Tom Silly just crams so much stuff onto each page. Like there's pages that have at least 25, if not 30 panels on them. Like, it's just bonkers storytelling and I live for it and I love it. And I can't wait to see how he's going to wrap up this five issue miniseries at this point. I got to catch up. I think that's what I'm going to have to do tonight. That book basically makes Transformers versus G.I. Joe, like, high concept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want, yeah, like, like, the Cliff Notes version of that book, that's what the this GoBots one is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tia, how about you? What have you been up to? What have you been reading? All that jazz. It was kind of a crazy week for me. I spent part of it, like, killing myself in the gym with friends, and uh, then part of it being kind of under the weather and sleeping for like 30 straight hours okay it was like there was no in between (laughs) high points low points all over yeah um and i also i couldn't decide what to read this week i just Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know i was feeling indecisive so i threw it to twitter and danny our like favorite person he recommended Buffy number one, which is the new Buffy that is being launched over at Boom. I guess Dark Horse lost the license. I don't know what's going on there, but we don't know what's going on behind the scenes over there. All we know is it's now at Boom, right? Yeah, and so it's it seems like it's starting over again. Um, this is being written by Jordi Belair with art by Dan Mora and colors by Raul Angulo, and so. Okay, full disclosure, I'm not a Buffy fan, and that's putting it a little mildly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to give it a chance and have an open mind, so I was like, okay, I will give it a shot. I I didn't like the show when it first came out. I never really watched it, um, and I am, in general, not a fan of Joss Whedon. This was even before all of his like stuff came out. Like I'm just super vindicated by all of that now. And um, so I thought, okay, what if I read this and tried to put all of that aside and kind of approach the book as though I'd never heard of Joss Whedon or the show or Buffy or any of it? Like, how would how would that reading go? Um, Also, fun fact, a bunch of Sunnydale filming locations are actually from the town I grew up in. (laughs) Oh, so you went to Buffy's high school and had the murderous or principal and all that stuff and her house is like in yeah it's like in my neighborhood and yeah so like (laughs) (laughs) anyway that's just a weird fun fact but the book just seems to be a pretty basic like i'm a normal teenage girl with normal teenage anxieties like Mm -hmm. how do i make friends but also i'm the chosen one vampire slayer (laughs) which okay like slayers they're just like you i'd rather take on that over trying to make friends jeez yikes (laughs) (laughs) give me the monsters yeah so buffy has like a crappy teenage job at a fast food place and then she has Mm -hmm. a meet cute with xander and willow where she like saves them from being attacked by a monster and then they're like oh damn you're not like normal teenage girls you're special because uh, of course, and mm-hmm. can I just say, it kept really throwing me off how Xander is spelled in the book. Like, spell your name right and fix your face, please, right. Xander. <laughs> in Buffy, we have the correct spelling of Xander <laughs> on our show, and then there's this other one. <laughs> I remember the first time I spelled Xander's name wrong, and his mom got so mad. She was like, "That is not how we spell Xander's <laughs> name." I was like, "Oh man, shit got real, real fast here." <laughs> Shout out to Xander's mom for Shout doing out. things correctly. <laughs> She's keeping it real. 
Let me tell you. Also, here's a question. I know I'm supposed to be pretending I've never heard of this, but like, isn't Willow supposed to be a witch? How does this Giles guy not, like, how did he miss that? Okay, I'm going to let you take this one. Yeah, Willow becomes a witch in like season three or okay. something of the TV show. So I think we're just not there yet. Got it. I also noticed that she jumped right into being hot. Like she was <laughs> adorable in season one, but she's hot in the comments. So I, I actually did feel like I needed to bring a picture of her to my hairdresser and be like, that's the haircut that i want mm-hmm. anyway um i have to say the artwork is a little bit prosaic for my taste which i think with a licensed property probably makes sense because like you're not necessarily using this to, to make any kind of grand artistic statement or anything you're basically trying to communicate in a really straightforward way so mm-hmm. from an objective perspective i guess that works for what it's supposed to be doing yeah, I mean, if you look at a lot of the other Boom properties that are licensed work, they get really close on trying to match the art style to the original source material. And that's a lot easier with, say, cartoons. But I think that's kind of like Boom's way to, of doing things, even with Power Rangers. Yeah, sure. And, like, you know, you, they're recognizable as the actors, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest with you, look, okay, I just... Buffy is not feminist it just isn't i'm sorry and i know that it like has been that for a lot of people and i don't think that people who have gotten something useful out of it like i think that's great and i don't think that it diminishes what people get out of it to also critique it but i do think that it is important to critique the problems um like those can coexist and basically just because it's recasting women at the top of the power dynamic doesn't mean that it that it's feminist like that's not what a strong female character necessarily has to be just because she like is fighty um doesn't make her strong necessarily i think that an actual feminist scenario would be doing more to dismantle that power structure altogether you know it's like um also I think Joss Whedon likes to torture his strong woman characters and punish them a little bit. And it they're all these patriarchal archetypes of women, right? Like the fighty one, the witch, etc. And I don't think it does much other than it like imbue them with with power, with masculine or patriarchal power that ultimately makes their struggles or their downfall in some cases more satisfying for a patriarchal audience because like it's like a a weak woman character would be too easy to break it's more satisfying if there's more power in the character so i just i just yeah i mean i just have a real problem with it and i know that jordy belair is a big fan of the show and a big fan of the of you know I don't want to diminish that it has meant a lot to people and sure. it her mm-hmm. love for the character and for the franchise is really evident in the book and unfortunately for me it just doesn't connect since I'm I'm really not a fan and um at the same time I can see how the book could be popular with new fans who have never heard of the show because it kind of is starting from square one and sort of explaining everything from the beginning and I could see it being popular with diehard fans because I assume there's a bunch of easter eggs in there Mm -hmm. Uh, the basic thing so like Buffy you know she has the meet cute with Xander and Willow so now they're friends and Xander and Willow know her deal and then later on she has like 
a, a scene where her mom is like momming her about homework and she's reading a comic book instead of studying because relatable. And then sure. she has to go <laughs> fight some monster and he has a medallion that protects him because there's like a Borgen and Burks kind of store, I guess, where oh, this man. <laughs> like mean lady <laughs> Sorry, works. This is all just like little bits from the show that are just like flashing through my mind like, as you're telling me I don't me know this. what this stuff is. But this lady's kind of mean. And then um, someone who I presume is meaner than her shows up and wants to buy stuff and there's that like i'm sorry we're closed power struggle scene where it's like oh no you actually are not in charge here because this person's gonna like not respect your store hours (laughs) i see i actually wasn't sure who the store owner was from the show because there are so many blondes with like voluminous hair <laughs> i was like is this joyce nope this isn't joyce is it buffy it's definitely not buffy yeah. it took me staring for a while to figure it out <laughs> so yeah i would say as a first issue it clearly introduces the main themes which are the tension between buffy as a normal teenage girl versus her as this extraordinary chosen one vampire slayer and it shows us what she can do. It tells us what she wants. It sets up her relationships with some of the main characters. So I'm objectively reluctant to say that it's bad or that it fails. Like, that's what you want out of a first issue. So it does mm-hmm. that. I just personally am not a fan of the franchise. And I think that its intention is to really kind of be classic Buffy. And it doesn't seem to be putting any kind of new spin on it. So, Yeah. Gotcha. I tried. Hey, you know, that's that's all we can ask. And I'm sure that Danny will be elated based on this review. Let's... <laughs> I hope so. Danny, let us know what you thought, please, please. Uh, Nick, Nick, how you been? How have, uh, how have comics been? What have you been reading? As uh, as has already been pointed out, um, our weather is, is pretty fucking insane. Uh, just snow, 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 like it's nobody's business and, and black ice here and there and... And I mean that's still not even the worst, which is that I've I've rediscovered my love for the video game Into the Breach, and so all bets are off at this point. It's uh, you're hibernating um, for the winter, is what you're saying? Yeah. Oh man, it's so bad. Like if you ever wanted a grid-based puzzle strategy turn-based game that surrounds a pixel art aesthetic and um, is basically Pacific Rim, um, yeah, it's 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 good. Um, in terms of what I've read, the uh, most recent thing that I read was Polar, which is written and drawn by Victor Santos. Uh, Santos is a Spanish comic book creator, perhaps best known in America outside of Polar, um, and its follow-up volumes for drawing, volumes two through four of The Mice Templar, as well as the series Violent Love for Image Comics. Okay. And I decided to read this because I wanted to be that guy. Uh, you know, the guy who gets to go around and proudly insist to people that he's not going to watch the uh, titular film until he gets around to reading the book. <laughs> but he doesn't, but he just spends forever getting around to reading the book, so no one can ever discuss the film around him. And you're just like, ah, I, I, I'm still reading the book. Um, so basically, it's just sadism. Um, so you're great to be around, is what you're I'm, saying. I'm, I'm, I'm a real fun at a party, real party loving guy. <laughs> come, come talk to me, please. I'm alone. Um, so the series began in 2012 as a web comic, and actually, it originally lacked dialogue and speech bubbles. Santos didn't want to slow down the comic's creation with translation efforts, and he also admitted uh, he didn't feel comfortable writing in English. Um, that makes two of us. Uh, 
Just kidding. Uh, I'm sure he has a better grip on it than I do. Santo also embraced the webcomic format in order to actually utilize a horizontal slash widescreen layout for pages, which occasionally you do see in like big two comics. I know Action Comics a few years ago did like a horizontal issue and they were like, oh my fucking god, it's horizontal. And they were like losing their shit over it. Well, this whole thing is based around that. Um, it also allowed for him to have a streamlined way to sort of gauge fan reaction and correct mistakes because it's all, you know, on the internet and digital right, and he has right. full control over everything. So it's kind of interesting. Um, it was actually his editors at Dark Horse that basically told him, look, if we're going to actually publish this for you, it's going to be way more commercially viable if it has language in it. So I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> it's really interesting yeah. to read the book, just imagining that you strip away all of the language. And it's really fascinating because there are certain points where you're like, he's absolutely right like this 16 page fight scene definitely does not need dialogue uh but there are other moments boy where you're just you're looking at someone reacting to another person on the page before and they're talking to them on the phone and you're not really certain who they're talking to and uh, i mean you wouldn't be certain if there wasn't for the fact that there's dialogue so it's it's interesting in the respect that there are certain pages where it's like i don't even know how he was going to try to make this clear without dialogue mm -hmm. um it's pretty high concept fair. Uh, old, aged, retired assassin slash hitman decides that he's going to retire to the comforts of a snowy cabin in the woods, uh, but things can only look like the nightmare dreamscape of a Thomas Kincaid painting for so long uh, before... <laughs> Before a heavily armored assault team shows up because they want you dead. Oh, minor spoilers, they're your uh, ex-employer. <laughs> um... It's heavily stylized. It's only a three-color palette book. Blue, sorry, uh, black, white, and orange. Uh, and it reminds me a lot of Jim Steranko meets Frank Miller meets Eduardo Riso in equal parts. Uh, both good and bad. Sometimes you have these crazy heavily inked silhouettes that are so, like, jagged and blocky that you're like, I don't even know what's going on. Like, what am I looking at here? Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, but it's enjoyable. It's super actiony from what i know from the film's trailer and from what little jordan and i talked about uh yesterday just a little back and forth about the book versus the movie um the book is very different and i don't know if it's that the movie goes into things in books two and three that just aren't in book one but in terms of book one and the movie lining up it sounds like they are very very different um i see but it was a lot of fun I get, you know, I'm, I'm eager to see what happens with the other two volumes. Uh, beyond that, I'll just briefly say I finally read Livewire 1. Uh, the okay. hype is real. It's good. It's a little slow. It's a little recap heavy if you're someone who actually sort of remembers. And, like, I don't have a fantastic memory, but, like, I remembered Harbinger Wars too well enough where I'm like, I get it. <laughs> I remember what happened. Like, you don't need to pound it into my head this many times. Uh, this is from Vita Ayala and um, art by Raul Allen and Patricia Martin. And oh, uh, yeah, it's a little recap heavy, but I do appreciate that um, we're not letting Livewire off the hook for the events of Harbinger Wars 2. Like, it seems like what happened there is going to be a real uh, focus point for this book. So we'll we'll see what happens. Cool. I, I still need, I have the first two issues of that. I still need to 
actually read it. I feel like a bum that I haven't sat down. Like, I'm way behind on everything, but I was really looking forward to Livewire, so I, I need to actually do that. That's what I'm going to do today, is catch up on all my books, I guess. <laughs> uh, Kate, what are, how have you been? How have comic books been? I'm good. We've been moving, um, mm-hmm. and Nick already mentioned the awful, awful weather that we're having, yep. um, as well as partially moving in that. I'm also going to head out and play D&D at a bar later after we're finished recording, <laughs> so God. I get to drive in this. Um, I also read Buffy issue one, and I've already commented a little bit on that um, with Tia. Um, I also read Deep Roots issues one through three. Um, this nice. is from Dan Waters and Val Rodriguez. It's from Vault Comics. And I've mentioned this before. This time I looked it up, and it, trade one is coming out on Wednesday. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I'm right this time. I good. checked. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I enjoyed this. This is really what I was hoping it would be. It's basically nature's fighting back against the destruction of the environment and pollution and such. And there's parts of it that kind of feel like a natural disaster movie with like, like the, the involvement of the, the government organization and some of the dialogue with that and um, somebody breaking the rules to investigate and such. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the plant forms, these like humanoid um, soldiers, are kind of f- funny. I don't know if they're supposed to be, but <laughs> I don't think so. I think they're supposed <laughs> to be more menacing. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are menacing. That's true. But yeah. um, they can talk, and I guess they. But the plants picked up human aggression to fight back um, mm-hmm. against the humans in multiple different ways, and part of it was through your dinner vegetables. <laughs> so there's one plant soldier that is that is in an interrogation. And it's talking to this person, but it's speaking in phrases that you would hear from like a mother trying to get her child to eat his his vegetables. Mm -hmm. So I I enjoyed that scene a lot. (laughs) I mean, I think that was supposed to be like funny, but on the whole, those guys are supposed to be very menacing and scary, I think. Yeah, there's also like this big giant like sentinel um, armored plant guy, you know walking around and his his um scenes are kind of more abstract Mm -hmm. it's really interesting he's not i don't think that he's found like the human world yet he's in this kind of like it it made me think of the green from um oh boy animal man swamp thing yeah Yeah, same yeah yeah, uh same mythology Mm -hmm. yeah so i'm I'm excited to finish this i'm excited that trade one is coming out yeah i i need to i was going to do a full reread after the last issue came out so i i'm I'll be on board with you as well to, to actually finish this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's for me, I read a handful of books, but the one I want to talk about is X-Force number one. This is by Ed Brisson and Dylan Burnett. This is a dark little book, as X-Force books tend to be. Like, they're going... seems like Marvel's going back to this, this idea of we need a Black Ops team, and it's got to be Domino, Cannonball, um, and a handful of other people. And it's... This book is all over the place because this team was put together to hunt down young Cable, who I'm calling Baby Boy Cable, um, because he killed his his self. He killed himself, his old self from the present. He came from the past to the future, but who's, I, it's really hard to explain. Um, and that's not just me stumbling. I literally don't know how to say that because young Cable came to the present day X-Men world where old Cable was helping the current... X-Men fight off 
something, and then young Cable killed old Cable, who's been living in the future for a really long time. It's, yeah, you ever had yourself come back to kill you? Because that's what this book is kind of premised or based on. It's it's really weird. I really liked how dark this book was. I think Ed Brisson did a good job of capturing some of the voices of all the characters. Um, the enemy in this book is young cable himself but he's been working with people in eastern europe from this fake little war-torn country and so the x-force team has to go hunt down these guys who are using these very advanced weapons from the future as well as trying to find young cable it's, it's a pretty solid first issue number two comes out this week and i'm on board for at least the first arc uh i just can't believe that we're running with this storyline that young cable came back from the future after his old self to kill his old self, but his old self must have known this was coming. I, I just, I don't know. X-Men, man, it's fucking X-Men. That's all I can say. It's wild. Um, well, let's talk about comics we're excited for really quick. Um, the comic books are dropping on January 30th, 2019. What are you all excited for? Let's start with you, Tia. And you guys know I don't read a lot of DC comics, although I'm trying to. I'm trying to mm-hmm. read more DC comics. And I was actually like so sold on the cover for Mysteries of Love in Space number one that like I don't even care that I don't know who some of this people are. It's an anthology of like love romance stories. And I don't know who all the... I'm looking at the cover right now. Yeah, it's It's, amazing. I don't know who all the stories are about, but like, I don't care because it just looks like so much fun. And I like flipped through it a little bit um, because I can. And it looks really funny. Like the cover looks like it actually is selling it correctly, which Uh is like cute, dumb, funny romance stories about these DC characters. Um, so I'm not mad at it. And also it looks like every creator who's literally ever worked for DC is involved <laughs> in it somehow. So like, cool. <laughs> it's a party. Yeah. <laughs> the cover is <laughs> dark side <laughs> with like roses. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. Call me, call me in, I guess, to try it as well. well. And it's like, and Lois is like going off with him and Superman's like, oh man. <laughs> it's <just> so funny. <laughs> Oh, man. That's great. Uh, Kate, what are you excited for this week? I'm excited for Life is Strange number three. I know that Mm -hmm. Brian's already talked a lot about this, so I'll be pretty brief. It's by Emma Viaselli and Claudia Lenardi, and it's from Titan Comics. And the the game that this is based off of was wonderful and heartfelt, and issue one of this was the same. It's everything that I I wanted, so I'm just excited for more of it. Awesome. Nick, what are you excited for this week? Well, it would have to be James Bond 007 number 3. It was actually originally going to be the new Bloodshot series number 3, but I won't get into that right now. Uh, that <laughs> yeah, series is, is not good. <laughs> um, but boy, hot damn, this book is a lot of fun. It's technically a carryover from the original run that Warren Ellis and Jason Masters kicked off a few years back over at Dynamite. Ben Percy, Andy Diggle, Al Scott all did subsequent series as well but they started it and while this series is kind of a clean break from those it does retain the look aesthetic and characters of the um that were conceived under ellis's run so so that still is retained and that's pretty much it um 
We've got a new odd job people. He's younger, he's faster than the original, and in this storyline, the original odd job was an active agent about 30 years ago, so it's definitely not the same odd job, but this guy's got the exact same move set to borrow from video game fighting genre <laughs> lingo. Is, the, is uh, this the guy that throws the hat? I feel like we talked about this This is the guy who before. throws the bowler. It's it's exactly okay. him. Yes, Good. exactly. But this is, uh, like I said, it's a younger, fitter, sexier, faster one. <laughs> still has the hat, though. The hat's still there. Don't worry. Perfect. If you were Perfect. worried about whether or not you were going to cheat in GoldenEye for the Nintendo 64, it's still a possibility. <laughs> um, uh, and he nearly beats James Bond's ass the first time that he meet. It's something that he, as well as most of James's co-workers who witness it, are keen to remind James of pretty much every time they see him. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever he goes out on missions, they're all like, dude, he's going to fucking kill you. <laughs> Oh um, my god! I feel like I really need to check this book out. This sounds like a lot of fun. It's 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 got a really keen sense of humor to it without being like ugh, t- like too much. Like where where like die another day and stuff like that got like way too fucking jokey and punny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it doesn't get there, okay? But the two keep running into each other in the field because they're both going after the same Russian hand handcuffed to a roller suitcase. Like, find your own Russian handcuffed to a roller suitcase. Like, this is the gig economy. There's got to be another person out there on Fiverr who's willing to handcuff themselves to a suitcase. It's not uh-huh. tough. Um, and, of course, Oddjob wants him alive. James Bond wants him dead. Both of them are like, should we work together? Should we not work together? Like, we'll work together for a bit, but then I'm going to, like, turn on you and steal your boat and blow you up and shoot you in the face. And we're both going to still survive and, like, look longingly at each other as one of us, you know, drives off into the sunset or whatever. Like, this is fun. Like, this is a lot of fun, but it doesn't get goofy, goofy. Awesome. Pull quote, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Oh, uh, and it's Mark Lamming art, which Mark Lamming, really underrated, great artist, fantastic inks. Cool. Paul, what about you? What are you excited for this week? Uh, Let's see. Well, uh, we're recording on Sunday, the 27th of January. So, of course, tonight is the annual Royal Rumble. I'll be watching that this (gasps) evening. um, Yeah, I'm in like two online bets about this. You've got to have a prediction. Let's hear it. Um, I'm going to go with the Dark Horse pick. Jeff Hardy's going to win. We'll see if I'm I'm proven right. Brother Um, Nero. Brother, exactly. Brother Nero is going to win, and then, um, and then Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch obviously is going to win the uh, women's rumble. That seems obvious. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I digress. So, uh, speaking of that, uh, this week sees the release of WWE Forever Number One. This is a one-shot sort of anthology that Boom Studios is putting out. They published the WWE ongoing series, but this is a one-shot. A bunch of different creators doing stories about uh, professional wrestling legends, and the descriptions of these stories sound so funny that I can't resist picking this up. Um, Apparently, there's a story about Bobby the Brain Heenan kidnapping the British Bulldog's dog, Matilda. That'd be fun. And then um, (laughs) then there's uh, one story that features a showdown between Razor Ramon and the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, inside of a jewelry store. So got to find out what happens with that stuff. Um, (laughs) I just love the sort of like the dumb in kayfabe storytelling they do with these where it's like they're loosely based on real quote-unquote real wrestling storylines but they just double down on the absurdity of them so um it's hard not to enjoy pro wrestling while laughing at it at the same time for being stupid and i kind of mm-hmm. like it when they do this in this book so should be a fun one does awesome. it involve scotty too hottie unfortunately no i don't think scotty too hottie is going to be involved nor <laughs> grandmaster sexay <laughs> will be there either so. come on <laughs> 
Um, that I, I'm excited for Royal Rumble too. I just want to say that. But um, I'm excited for this week, uh, Age of X Men, Age of X Man Alpha number one because of course it's an X Men book. Coming off of pages of issue number 10, I have not read the um, Cyclops on Cyclops annual yet, but I look forward to reading that today probably again. Uh, but this is this is Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler with Ramon Rosanas on art. Um, this is an obvious pick for me just because um, I'm on board for these writers like Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler truly proved themselves on Come Into Me, so I will pretty much read anything they, they are putting out. I think Rosanna's art looks phenomenal from the preview images that I've seen, so I'm very excited about that. But this is the beginning of the weird, weird thing that left off at the end of Uncanny X-Men number 10, which, big, huge, fat spoilers I won't go into, but uh, we're in a new age of something, I guess. Um, I'm really happy that we're done with this race to issue number 10, which was, a, by, which was Uncanny X-Men coming out every single week for 10 weeks straight. That was kind of a lot. I know that some people enjoyed it. I felt like I was very overwhelmed. But, um, yeah, I'm guessing that this, this issue is just going to be a series of throwbacks to Age of X, Age of Apocalypse, Age of all the different ages that X-Men have had. Well, as well as a couple of weird twists on things. I know the way that number 10 left off was a big, huge, like, what the fuck are we going to do next? Which is classic X-Men. But um, I'm hoping that Nadler and Thompson give us a brief glimpse into what we can expect to see in Uncanny and moving forward. Because sometimes these one-off issues will just do like a side story about like a chipmunk that was in the back story or the back of a panel on page four of issue number six. And they're like, remember when that happened? You're like, what the fuck? That happened? And then they'll do an entire 32 pages on it somehow and charge me five bucks. So I'm hoping that we actually get a preview as to what's to come in Uncanny X-Men, which I believe is coming out in a month. And yeah, so that's that's the beginning of this. Or I'm totally wrong, and this isn't a one shot. But I'm pretty sure it's a one shot. I'm uh, the one other thing I will say is I'm a huge fan of Age of X, which was a story that Mike Carey did, where we got some really fun, and I put put fun three times in my notes, fun, fun, fun romance bits with Rogue and Magneto, which was both weird and odd because he's very old, and she's like supposed to be her late twenties, early thirties, and it just was a little strange. And yet I totally could ship it. I could be into it because the the way that it was written was really well done. Plus, Age of X also included a very deep romance between X-23 and Hellion, which I was 100% on board for. So I'm really interested to see what this Age of X-Man whole thing that's happening is going to be, um, despite the annoyance that I had with the 10-issue rush that came out. So that's pretty much me. I uh, <laughs> It's... It's classic. It's classic. Five years running, still picking X Men books, folks. <laughs> it's never, never change, Mike. Never change. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> As I said at the top of the episode, this is our annual episode. This is an episode that marks another year passing for I Read Comic Books. And quite honestly, the fact that we are at annual number four is kind of fucking insane to me. I can't imagine a lot of people have like five years worth of a thing that they could say they did consistently for five years straight once a week. I don't know. Everyone gets out of bed every morning, so maybe that counts. But 
<laughs> this show is, is a little bit different maybe than that. I don't know. I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. I'm just saying, like, I can't believe we're at five years because I've done some things in my life that have lasted for a long time. Like, I used to run the site that this used, this podcast was on called Destroy the Cyborg. Ran that for about seven years, and it kind of tapered off as we migrated more things into this show. Here we are at five years, very close to 200 episodes. I mean, we're doing a 200th episode something. It's going to be a big deal. We've got, like, 13 weeks 12 weeks from today or whatever, it's going to be something. I'm, I'm still working on the details, but I want to talk about what we've done the last year. It's been a pretty big year as far as I read comic books is concerned. We did so many things that we hadn't done in the previous years, including going to conventions, printing a zine, doing all sorts of things. What did you guys enjoy the most out of the last year? I've got a million things that I really enjoyed. This is like a thing that I do all the time. I want to know what you guys thought. Like, What was your big highlights from 2018? between the last annual and now. I mean, Emerald City Comic Con was pretty fun. Yeah. Okay, yes, that was pretty dope. I feel like chronologically, maybe that's a good place to start. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Paul, Paul, Xander, Kara, Tia, and I all went to Emerald City, which is a whole riot and a half. We we did the damn thing. I mean, <laughs> we went to Biscuit <laughs> Bitch. That was fantastic. I just want to say, for everyone who can't see the notes for the show in, in Mike's notes here, it, there's actually, it just says Biscuit Bitch! Exclamation point. And so, like, in my mind, I read it like, Biscuit Bitch! <laughs> Which I think should just be a rallying cry. Whenever we need to get, like, pumped up, someone could just scream, Biscuit Bitch! And everybody Perfect. responds, Bitch! Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, I mean, we did we did a bunch of stuff. We were at the con four days. We went to the, the bar con like every day, including Sunday. We hung out with some creators. We got to sit at a table with Jaime Hernandez for a little while. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. Paul, I feel like you you were the most jazzed person at a certain point during the con. Well, there are a lot of things unpacked about the con. This was kind of like one of the first big cons I went to. It was a it was an endeavor to travel, you know, across the country to go. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I. I it, it was nice because it actually was between the Emerald City and the the getaway that we did in September. I actually got to meet all of the people on the podcast in person for the first time. So it's kind of yeah. nice to you know actually meet everyone I've been talking to for a while. So meeting Kara and Tia in Seattle was fantastic, um, and I'm glad we had a group there because those type of conventions, those type of crowds, can be very overwhelming to me. So having good friends there to do it with was perfect. But yes. Uh, um, Jaime Hernandez being at the con was one of the main reasons I decided to plunk down the money and go. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember we were walking uh, past the Fantagraphics booth and he just happened to be sitting there signing stuff. So we, you, me and Xander, Mike, we all stopped and got our stuff signed. Uh, we got my picture with him. I got to thank him for writing the Love Bunglers. So that mm-hmm. made the whole trip worth it on top of all the other fun stuff we did. Yeah, that was that was like a surreal moment because it was so strange. Where I remember we walked up to his booth and or we walked up to the Fantagraphics booth and there was just like two or three other people there and you i think you said to me how is there not a line around the corner for this booth i mean yeah. and i'm sure he must have been sitting there for a while just signing things but yeah it was so cool he was such a chilled out dude who was just like these this is my comic <laughs> like that seemed to be his like his mentality just this is my comic i made this that's it <laughs> yeah and, and what's funny is that you know he had another booth set up where he was doing you know sketches you know and, and on the artist alley everyone's got their big banners with their name and their artwork on it and their tables all filled with you know books to sell and it's literally just him with a little paper sign that says jaime hernandez nothing else just him and a sketchbook <laughs> and a little sign that says jaime hernandez so i got my I, I plunked down my 60 bucks to get a sketch from him um which was great because i ended up chatting with um 
uh, Ben Saunders, who we interviewed on the show. I ended up yeah. chatting with him while I was waiting in line. So that was kind of fun to make that connection. Me and Ben were talking about Kirby, Jack Kirby, and all of a sudden, Jaime stops what he was his sketch he was doing and just says, are you guys talking about Jack Kirby? And that was such like a wonderful moment where everything I love about comics kind of like came together in that beautiful exchange. That's so cool. <laughs> So cool. I mean, it was I was absolutely worth going and hanging out. I said it on the show last week, you know, you get to hang out with some of the, the best-dressed folks at comic <laughs> conventions. <laughs> yes. I mean, with Tia and Kara going out every night in, like, top-tier regalia, like, ready to go out and, and dress to impress. It's always fantastic. I mean, and not to mention, we'd sit down at the bar, Tia and Kara would just disappear, and then they'd come back and be like, here, we need to introduce you to our producer, and these are all the people that we make this podcast with. And it was like non-stop that which was amazing like i don't know how tia and kara you guys know all of these people but you guys just make friends and it is the coolest thing ever <laughs> yeah i don't know how that happens either because i'm not like a friendly outgoing sociable person <laughs> at all um <laughs> right sure 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 whatever okay <laughs> and also like you know so I our office where I work is it's in the fashion district and there's a lot of sample sales all the time and so I buy these like outrageous dresses for like twenty dollars and I just have a closet mm-hmm. full of these clothes that I will never wear because I wear like athleisure all the time basically sure I'm right. that person right and um so you know if I'm gonna be at a place where there's like you know people around who aren't lifting weights it's like yes i could finally break into my closet of sparkle party dresses that i bought Uh for twenty dollars for no reason i mean it's there was like the every night we were out it was it was great you guys were always dressed to the nines which is fantastic and meanwhile you know i'm showing up in just like the hoodie and jeans that i wore to the con because i'm a bum Um, (laughs) dudes can do that (laughs) i I guess yeah we could get by with that um but the other stuff we did when we were in seattle we went to some weird diner like the weirdest greased weirdest it was called ludies (laughs) it was like the greasiest diner ever and like people were drinking at like nine in the morning (laughs) because it's one of those bars that doesn't close because they're open for third shift workers which was a whole experience i'd never actually seen in real life before that was the whole thing and we it was pretty fantastic yeah because we just the, the the woman's taking us to our table in the back we just keep black walking further and further back of the restaurant and all of a sudden there's a bar at the back of this diner and it mm-hmm. kind of blew my mind I'm like oh this is a bar i would actually hang out at that's the kind of place i like so <laughs> right, we, were, right, right, right. we were like shoved up against the jukebox and so <laughs> one of those third shift dudes came over to play some songs and I had to sort of be displaced so that he could reach the jukebox. So I made him play me a song. Right. Back in black by ACDC. Let's make sure we name the, uh, the song, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought that went without saying, but yes. Yeah. I mean, and we inter- we interviewed some people at the at the con, which was really fun. We talked to like Feral Dalrymple. We talked to mm-hmm. Tess Stone. We talked to... Kelly Fitzpatrick uh, and Kelly Archie. Kelly Fitzpatrick and her wonderful little dog. Who she brought everywhere. Like, I think when we were at Biscuit Bitch, she showed up and she had her dog yep. with her, which was so cool. Well, yep. I mean, look, he's people, whatever. Everyone can deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Emerald City was, was great. I mean, I think based off of that experience, we were like, we have to do a con again. And in order to get people to actually, you know, get the whole crew going, this year we're going to go to C2E2 um, as like the whole podcast because... It's close for most of the people in Michigan. It's relatively easy for Karatia and I to get to. Um, and it's going to be a whole thing. I'm pretty sure all of us are going to be there. Side like, note, it's, all... I'm actually going to die because the weekend before <laughs> C2E2, I'm going to be at Emerald City Comic Con. 
And the weekend after, I have to go to my brother's wedding. So I'm going to go New York, Seattle, (laughs) New York, Chicago, New York, Baltimore in a span of three weeks. (sighs) So uh, thoughts and prayers for Tia in advance. (laughs) Um. If you see me at C2E2 and you have an iced coffee to hand me, I'm just saying you would be my favorite person. I yeah, if to any, step if, up my fashion and iced coffee game. Kara <laughs> yeah. and I will be happy to dress you, Kate. And oh, if great. everybody, if anybody's going to C2E2, you have to let us know. We will gladly meet up and hang out with you guys at BarCon yes. or maybe during the con. That would be super cool. I've got a quadrillion number of stickers and pins that I'm willing to <laughs> hand out to give to people because I there were some Black Friday deals and I spent some money. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, like this year we also, we did like a getaway we we did some interviews. What are some other things? I, I don't want to necessarily dominate the the, the discussion here. Um, our Goodreads group exploded. We are yeah. Let's see how many people do we have. Four hundred and ninety four people As of today. Yeah, um, which is amazing. Like I'm pretty sure. Do you remember when we hit three hundred like two months ago, and now we're almost at five hundred? Yeah, we were like <laughs> gonna do a giveaway to be like, yeah, let's we hit three hundred. Like. Pfft. <laughs> okay, like that was a that was a whole thing, and I Bigger mean, giveaway. <laughs> not like every every person on the group is necessarily participating, but there is a large number of people participating, and I could say that because I'm subscribed to everything, like to get notifications for, it. and it, at this point. <laughs> I really need to turn it off because we are getting comments all the time. It's so cool. Like we got an email from Danny, best guy in the world, thanking us for the community that we created on Goodreads. Like, and I've heard nothing but positive things from people that have joined. It's it's such a warming feeling, and I just want to thank Kate for uh, Kate Scotchless, sorry Kate, um, for driving the thing and keeping it alive because she's done a miraculous job at making the Goodreads group actually a thing that people want to keep coming back to and talking with us. Yeah, and we have we've got people from all over the world there. I mean, we have international people chiming in on the introduce yourself thread. Like yeah, it yeah. seems like every couple of days. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, great, you're from Germany. Give me a German comic that I can read in English, please. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that's a ton of fun. And then we have our uh, the 2019 Goodreads reading challenge going up soon and it's gonna be so much bigger than last year because there are way more people chiming in so i don't know if we're gonna like limit it and then have an extended list i have no idea we've got we'll figure it out i'm i that's gonna be a whole thing i mean we even the most impressive thing that happened this year was we got nick to start chiming in and it's it's been a whole thing (laughs) 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 and i only Uh, say that you're you're welcome i guess your responses are very good is what i mean they're long, they're, long. they're very they're informative, and I know people appreciate them because whenever you respond, you always get like four or five other people chiming in to respond back to you. I think that's a sign. You need to keep per- contributing. Okay. I mean, that's your opinion, but... Uh. <laughs> I know. I'm bad at it too, Nick. I think I have... No, no, no. I, yeah. I, I did like when that Jeff guy was like, oh, you know, you have any advice for Valiant? And then I just text dumped on him like crazy. <laughs> Nine paragraphs. And he's like, wow, thanks. And I was like, I don't know if this is sarcasm because if I, if, if I were you, I might like, I might be like, wow, I just feel buried. <laughs> but he seemed very appreciative. And, and it's it's always good to see, you know, that sort of reaction from people that are, you know, just as excited as you are and, you know, um, just just happy to not have someone greet them on a message board with why don't you google it <laughs> i definitely think like a handful of of the the users on there are kind of carrying a lot of our group sometimes when oh, sure. uh, when the rest of us aren't chiming in for a week or so so shout out to all of those guys you guys are amazing 
Yeah, the, I mean, the Goodreads group is is something that it's reminded me to keep going and using Goodreads, despite the the toughness of it. I'll use that word instead of another word, but um, it's it has the unintuitive its, its user interface. It is. I mean, awful. hey. I mm-hmm. didn't say it. I didn't say I it. Said it. <laughs> I said it. It needs clear. a little word. <laughs> sure. sure. I mean, it's a big site. It's a it's a thing that's like they wanted to use groups and groups, I think, work really well on Goodreads because you can follow people and you can see updates and people can post all sorts of things. But Goodreads, I don't think, is optimized for being like a discussion forum so much as it's optimized for just tracking your books. And then there's also a discussion forum on there. And uh, I don't know if there's a better solution because I'm, I'm hesitant to create like any other kind of group. Like, do we want a Discord or a Slack or something? Um, I mean, it, it perfectly embraces the stereotype of the antisocial reader. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um. sure. <laughs> I mean, Kate Kate gave me some notes um, since she's not on the episode this week. She said um, she was really impressed by the number of people who finished the recommended reading challenge that we had this year, which is definitely worth mentioning because I think in 2017, we only had like two people complete it. This year, I think we had five or six, which is insane. Like even some people coming in literally in the last week of December saying, I'm dropping everything that I'm doing. I'm only reading books for this reading challenge just so I can get in on, you know, under the last day of the year, which was really cool. Um, I, I was impressed. I know that I didn't finish it. <laughs> I'm part of the group. Um, and I don't know if we, I don't know if we actually had anyone from the actual podcast finish the reading challenge, but I know we all tried. I got, I think I got halfway through it or something. We should um, do something like at the library where you get a prize if you finish the reading challenge or you get entered to win a prize or something. Since we have mm-hmm. all these stickers and pins and things hanging around. <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm all for that. We, we don't have a lot of pins, but I have a ton of stickers. Um, all the cool Justice League stickers that I've been slowly giving out to people, um, which is my my favorite sticker design ever um, that <laughs> I totally just ripped off the Justice Society of America <laughs> logo. But you know what? It's parody. It's totally fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Kate also said we read a lot more diverse books this year and had some really awesome discussions. And I will say that's true. I think every month we had at least like 20 plus comments on the book of the month challenge. And then we you know recorded every other month, which is a lot of fun. And we did a lot of notable branching out, I think, as not only the podcast, but like as a Goodreads group in general, getting people to try things that are a little bit off the cuff. We weren't just reading superhero books, I think, which is a kind of a thing that we did in 2017. In 2018, we moved into a more diverse reading area, which is always good uh, because everyone's reading superhero books anyways. You should be using like this is the mentality I think we're coming at it is like. We should be reading more diverse stuff as part of a group to discuss it more because we want more people to read that stuff in general. Because everyone knows Superman, Batman, X-Men, all that stuff. But not everyone knows maybe about Hilda and the Troll or whatever that book was called. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, or some manga and things like that. I'm really glad that we had people um, actively excited to read these books that maybe were a little bit off their radar. Right. My pick for 2019 was a non-superhero book. I know, I know, I know. I mean, I'm just saying, like, the, I think 2017, we had more superhero books winning the book of the oh, month, yeah, month challenge. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, and we then, had to right, shake right. that up for sure. And we say, exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, again, dominating everything because I just can't shut up. I'm very excited. I love this <laughs> podcast more than you guys know. <laughs> well, yeah, Mike, I, I was going to say, like, that's uh, something to, to think about. You know, I remember when we first started doing the show, and it was literally you and me in your basement talking to Nick. You know, <laughs> yeah, and that was it. Yeah. And then the fact here we are, you know, four 
four years later and we have such a big diverse group of contributors a uh, big diverse group of fans we've been able to do things like the like the zine um that shows the growth and i, I think that shows not only your love of the podcast but everyone that does it um totally it's it, it, the show actually meant a lot to me to be involved with it and it's something i'm really proud to say i'm a, I'm a part of so oh thanks no same <laughs> it definitely and it's nice that there are things that we do that kind of hit everyone's ability to contribute like I feel guilty sometimes that I'm not contributing more to the zine or to the Goodreads group but like you know I tried to put together this is not an interview last year you know um well I mean don't say try because you actually <laughs> fucking did and yeah. it was awesome like <laughs> you definitely did the show multiple times oh my god <laughs> um we there was a point at which we were like, we're going to do this every other month. And then a bunch of people were like, I want to be on it. And I was like, okay, I guess we're going to do it every month. And then uh-huh. look, you guys, like, I I don't say this disparagingly. It just is a fact. But like trying to coordinate schedules with creators is like herding cats if all the cats had unmedicated ADHD and there was just shiny <laughs> stuff everywhere. Like, right, it's just, right. it's really hard. Everyone's really busy. So in the end, it ended up being only six episodes, which was every other month, I guess. Um, I mean, we still hit the goal, kind yeah. of, the original goal. <laughs> and oh God, the audio, like, I'm surprised that Xander didn't vibrate to the sun. <laughs> I think he did a few times. It was so hard yeah. to get good audio. I know. Well, that's the thing. We're, I mean, it's it's tough with interviews, especially if you can't get the person to actually be there in person. I think the thing that worked really well about our Emerald City interviews was that we actually got to sit down with the person or, you know, stand with them in the con in some cases and put a microphone in their face and get them to speak versus over Skype, there's very little we can do to control the situation, which is a bummer. Um, there was so an in-person I- one too, though, and there was... Well, I guess the the audio wasn't so bad, but there was a lot of background noise. Yeah, yeah. New York Street, <laughs> like, ambulances going by every five seconds. Right, right. But yeah, it was fun to talk about death with people, <laughs> which is apparently what I do. <laughs> Somehow it's always going to circle back to death. I mean, that's all right, I guess. Death and broing out with bros and also wedding planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, I mean, I really did like the the Natasha Alterisi episode a lot. Are you guys that following a, her cookie um, Twitter that she has now at Lemon po- Lemon Opossum? No, no I saw hmm. she posted something about that a while ago because I, I, I follow her Patreon stuff and she was pushing that for a little bit. I totally lost radar on that. Oh my God, she's like going to be, I mean, I'm sorry to lose her as an as an artist i know she's had a lot of health issues and she's probably not going to do a lot of drawing anymore um but she's still writing Mm -hmm. um and but then like i'm glad she's like funneling some of her artistic energy into these beautiful cookies and baking projects because um they're just amazing that's a little bit less strenuous on your maybe on your hands i'm guessing and then you get to eat cookies yeah that's true Oh, to completely change topics, I I will just say, I did promise last week on the show, um, and Kara called me out on this in our internal chat that we have, that we were going to talk about astrology in Hogwarts houses. <laughs> did anyone actually sit and think about that? Because I know very little about astrology. Like, and I know, I, I know even less about Harry Potter. 
sort right. of that, so <laughs> wait wait yeah. so are you saying that you know more about astrology though <laughs> maybe because at least i know what astrology is <laughs> oh, okay okay <laughs> literally okay. know nothing about harry potter so yeah well i only ask because i i didn't know that libras were like considered slutty and that's like that's what i am but i don't think i'm that slutty so like i don't know <laughs> are you supposed to fit all of the box check all the boxes for your hor- horoscope sign i'm, I'm you're supposed asking... to sit there and think about all of them until your brain just mentally decides that you fit them i mean look okay you guys are going to start seeing a lot more deep v cuts but for real though i am such a cliche scorpio that it actually is like sometimes i feel like a parody of myself i don't so, know <laughs> what is okay for someone it sounds like none of us know what that that really means what is a cliche scorpio because <laughs> like i don't want to make assumptions um, about anything scorpios are stereotypically very intense vindictive um also sometimes kind of slutty but like in a scary way and <laughs> 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 what is like what is you, scary they're slutty? very dramatic and intense and passionate and they will also fuck you up like cersei is a scorpio wow. okay okay that's <laughs> all right that uh this scary <laughs> scary slutty yeah. just tickles my brain in such a way i i <laughs> It's true. Kara, I will say, I just want to apologize in advance that I didn't do enough research on this because I just don't know enough about about that, where to go to actually find legit information about astrology types. Um, so you can hold it against me and you can we can talk about it the next time you're on the show. But I mean, we did... We, that was the big thing I thought I was going to talk about this week, but we were going to kind of talk about some other things, I guess... I had some some bits, some thoughts about, like, we kind of did a second show, which is this is not an interview, so we kind of already talked about. Uh, Danny sent us an email, and I kind of, I mentioned it earlier. That was honestly the most heartfelt thing I read in a long time, and it really reminded me that we're doing a really fun, cool show that people enjoy that means a lot to them. Uh, I never thought that when we started this show that it would we would get to, like, that status. But Danny sent us this email, and oh my goodness, what a, what a nice thing. I cannot express just how good that made me feel and like really validated what we're doing with this show. I sent it along to everybody else because it was very, very nice. I hope you guys all took it the same way that I did because, oh my goodness, I, I think this show would not be what it is if it wasn't for the wonderful people like Danny and the dozens of other people that I know we've talked to and had like longer conversations with um, who give us they give us a real reason to keep coming back to make the show. Like we'll talk to somebody on Twitter and that's like enough fuel to get us into the show, to get us back into like the rhythm. Sometimes I'm, I feel a little bit out of it with the show. Like, fuck, this is a lot. This show is like really heavy. And then I get like one response on Twitter or I get an email or somebody just says the right thing. And I'm just like, fuck, what am I talking about? It reminds me that we're doing a really, really rich, amazing show. Um, and I was wrong. Like, I, I don't know why I would ever doubt myself because we're doing something that's great here. Yeah. I mean, look, I think that part of the thing that comics needs is to expand and grow its audience. And for a lot of people who don't live near comic shops or who don't have a community of comic book people, it's really hard to bring them into the community and make them feel like they're part of it. And so I I like to think that is what the podcast can can foster for people who maybe 
want to be more involved but don't have the access. Right. 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 And it's a nice it's a nice alternative to, you know, if all you have to do is scroll through comics Twitter to see that comics is can be very divisive and there's a lot of hostility among fandom. You know, yeah, yeah. idea. I don't. Move that shit. <laughs> oh, Nick, just like <laughs> curate that shit away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, and you know, not to get too like hippy dippy or out there, but the fact that, like I said, the show has evolved from. Mike's basement to what it is now. The fact that we have people reaching out and saying wonderful things about it and listening to the show every week. And the fact that we made this zine that people are responding to and contributing to. It's a nice reminder that if you do put positive creative energy out into the universe, it will come back to you. You'll be repaid for that. And I think this is a show is a, is, is a positive example of that being true. Totally. Yeah. And that's all thanks to Mike. <laughs> Mike and Putting it together and like... for keeping us on top of it. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I, I thank you, thank you. Well, I, thank you for the, the opportunity to do something with my my English degree, <laughs> analyzing reading material of some kind. I feel like I'm actually using what I was trained to do when I look at a book, and I can actually, you know, see all the subplots and all the references to other material and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Like my art history degree is just you know languishing and then i have to make some notes about comic books and half the time i forget to talk about the plot i feel like me and kate should maybe like combine our powers because i'm like (laughs) oh yeah plot happens but can we talk about this one panel for 10 years (laughs) yeah yeah i mean and that, that kind of like leads into another thing i wanted to mention at least um was we did some interview episodes this year which were pretty in 2018 we did a lot of interview episodes i should say and they all kind of (laughs) they came together in such a weird way because i feel like as soon as i schedule one interview episode i get an email from three more people that want to be on the show and it's like when it rains it pours and like this year we i know we've already got would we say no to mike (laughs) (laughs) don't name names name names no no, we didn't say no to anybody, and that was the thing. I wanted to say yes to everybody because they were all good episodes. Like, all the people that came on the show were fantastic. Like, we had Vita and Emily on earlier in the year, and then later we had Pat Shan, and we had Emily as well. We had Ben Saunders on, and, I, like, this year, and, and Hope Nicholson. Like, we had all these people, and they came in pairs in weird ways. Um, and we're doing the same thing this year. We've got one interview episode followed by another interview episode coming up, um, which is going to be really cool. Like, the creator from Spencer and Locke are going to be on. We've got uh, a friend of the show, Scott McGovern, who's going to come on and talk about, like, distribution models. We've also got... Oh boy, I don't have it off the top of my head. We've got some. But, I, uh, this is not an interview that'll happen this year. Yeah, and I think yeah, we're gonna try to continue that show, and it's it's gonna be irregular. But like, we've got a lot of really cool shit. It makes us feel like not only are we doing like a really good show, but we're doing a show that is legitimate that people are reaching out to us to be on, not the other way around. Like, we people have sent me emails to say, "Hey, can I come on your show and talk about this thing?" Sometimes it's promotional, sometimes it's not. But like, it's been fantastic. Like. I don't know. We've we've done some fucking cool stuff, and I can't even believe it. Like five years ago, I wouldn't think that we'd be doing this kind of thing, and I wouldn't be putting the stress in my head to say, "Oh my god, how are we going to record this interview? It's going to sound like shit." And then it ends up being very, very good. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know why I worried about it at all. I mean, a lot of that is thankful. It's t- on you guys, not me, where you guys actually come with the legit questions and know how to talk to somebody. Whereas I just kind of go, "Yeah, and it's really cool when you in your comic you did a thing and." <laughs> 
wow <laughs> Mike do you have a response to golden me retriever <laughs> i mean it's that's how it is sometimes i feel like every interview that we've had i ramp up and i get really excited and then i kind of go oh wait no this is a person and you can just talk to them like you do the rest of the people on the show and they usually react well and that's how you end up with fantastic little ending bits like we did with the pat shand episode where the guy sounded like he was gonna fall over in his chair because of some of the goofy shit we were talking about with air fried wings and, and i don't know that it's it's fantastic i like very fond memories from the last year of doing stuff like that i think your enthusiasm is a really important part of the show mike mm-hmm. <laughs> good good uh good because it leaves me exhausted every single week <laughs> i like i have to go lay down after every episode that we record <laughs> you're using your energy for good it's true yeah good. exactly good <laughs> you're gryffindor yeah, I grit. Let's wrap it back around. I have. I have. Here we go. I am clearly (laughs) a Hufflepuff. It is like I fucking sit right in the middle of all tests and quizzes I take on the internet. I'm just a Hufflepuff, which is why I love this movie slash Broadway show called Puffs the Play, and it's all about why being Hufflepuff is pretty great. And I didn't realize how much that movie meant to me until, or that show meant to me until I watched it for like the fifth time, and I was like, oh, this is really good, and it makes me feel good. (laughs) <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, you should all check it out. It's it's on iTunes and Amazon and all that stuff. It's really great. I feel like Hufflepuff Slytherin friendships are very important. So I will defend your Hufflepuffness. <laughs> you know, there's there's these big lines. We're going into a Harry Potter thing now. Sorry. There's yeah, these big lines. So. <laughs> yeah, see you, Paul. Um, <laughs> Bye. No, it's, there's these big lines drawn in the Harry Potter universe between the houses. And I never got that because it's like... If you could you imagine being around fifty of yourself? Like oh, wouldn't you just fucking hate that? <laughs> like the reason I have friends that are different from me is because I don't I'm okay, but other people are way better than me. Um <laughs> like or at least they bring something different to the table and not gonna sit and think about the same four things. Like I'm glad that none of you read X Men because otherwise I'd go fucking insane. I already think about it enough. I don't need to like spend that much time talking about it, but as an example, I don't know. Harry Potter's weird like that. Put separating people based on their personality traits is weird. <laughs> yes, that's correct. That's the show. Yeah. That's the show. <laughs> Thanks, um, I don't know. Nick, I feel like I, we haven't given you a chance to talk. How are you feeling? <laughs> I mean, I don't know um, what's left to cover at this point. Um, Which slutty astrological sign are you, Nick? <laughs> um i'm <laughs> i'm i'm aries which i think like if you want to definitively debunk astrology you would probably start with me being an aries because like because you're not angry from my understanding of aries aries is like no don't think about it just action and you're and you're driven and you're you know a, a person who you know does things without hesitation and that's like uh, the complete opposite. So mm, you know, interesting. Uh, except for thinking, which I do with, uh, <laughs> except for speaking, which I do without thinking, which I guess would be the one exception. So, checkmate, uh, astrologist. Yeah. <laughs> What's? <laughs> no, I think people should be sorted into their astrological sign, not not born into them. Although with me, it worked out, but it doesn't always. Interesting. <laughs> um. Kate, what did you like about 2018? I feel like I also have been like just elbowing you out of the conversation as well. No, you're fine. I uh, I'm glad to to have lasted the full year on the podcast and not be such a such a mess when I'm recording that you kicked me off. <laughs> hey, I'm not kicking anybody off. They they gotta they gotta tell me to get the fuck that they're getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just gonna think that you're coming back every week. Yeah. Um. It's so it's been great. I've I've really lo- read a lot. 
a wider variety of things than I would have otherwise between the the Goodreads book of the months and the reading challenge and then just going to the library and being like, I need to expand my my reading list. Oh, this is a nonfiction book. I should check out some of that. And it turns mm-hmm. out that I really like nonfiction comics mm-hmm. and I never would have picked it up if I didn't feel like I needed to read more for the podcast. That's awesome. And then, yeah. And then uh, working on the zine has been really great. I know that it's been like um, we're still figuring out what we want to do with it, but expanding into this other medium, the print medium, I'm I'm good at that. That's my job. I make print things. Um, So it's been really fun to do something really creative with that and collaborate on on what we put in it and be able to use my my weirdly detailed knowledge about why we should print at this trim size. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm glad that you knew because I was just going to say, we'll just take it to FedEx and see what we can do. Yeah. Um, So that's good. I I appreciate the work you put into it because Kate, Mm -hmm. I will say, has like definitely killed herself for this thing sometimes especially when we've got stuff being thrown in literally the day before it's supposed to be released and staying up till midnight (laughs) one in the morning with me to make the thing work like i have to i have to clap my hands at you i guess over the microphone for that (laughs) drink a lot of coffee at at midnight for this (laughs) for this podcast (laughs) (laughs) that is pretty amazing because i remember uh mike you me and xander were sitting in our hotel room at Emerald City in Seattle. <laughs> I was and super drunk. I recall we this were, too. <laughs> there was it was after Barcon, drinks were involved, where we stayed up really late throwing around ideas like we should start a zine and then we just kept spitballing ideas, throwing it back and forth how it's gonna look. The fact that it actually came out mainly thanks to Kate's efforts is pretty amazing. They went from a drunken conversation to an actual physical thing people can buy. That's wonderful. I mean Alcohol's a hell of a drug. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I think it was like it was a combination of like we had a lot of really good ideas that night. I jotted down a lot of them. I still have that document somewhere of just like ideas that we could potentially do. Um, and what it actually turned into was something that was just like, well, okay, what's actually doable by us? And then to hear that it wasn't just the three of us talking, that there was actual interest in doing it was very <laughs> exciting that yeah. we weren't just going crazy because... I know a lot of it was we, I think at Emerald City, we saw that Jay and Miles explained the X-Men and they're like pretty fantastic podcast. They had a booth where they were hanging out and being like, this is our podcast where they're doing some legit shit. And I was like, well, why couldn't we do that? We could also do that. We're a legit podcast. And then seeing where it went is like, is a whole different thing. I, I, I think like in the end, we ended up creating something really cool. Um, and I really enjoy all the zines. I have a stack of them just sitting on my bookshelf waiting to like sell or give out to people. And it's awesome to just look at sometimes be like, look at, we created four pieces of legitimate work or three pieces of legitimate work with the fourth one coming soon. Um, and I love that we're yeah, commissioning I mean, artists to do the covers and things like that, you know, just to like stay involved and make connections and give people a chance to make some money. Like it's all good. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's mostly what like some of the patreon stuff's going towards is just making so that we can making things so that we can get other artists like involved i don't know try to collaborate i still need to commission for this next issue we'll see what we'll do for that one but um yeah it's it's okay i'm excited i mean that's that's what the show is i i think like half of it we had this big little meeting yesterday to talk about our survey which if anybody's curious about what stuff was answered on the survey i'll give like a brief rundown but um we already talked about it as like a group and a lot of the things that came out of it was just like 
the conversation yesterday was like, hey, if you guys are willing to do it, we can do as much as we want with the show. Like, it's only limited by how much time people want to put into it. And I think based off the conversations I heard yesterday, it sounds like this year we might be doing a lot of really cool stuff. Like, we've got some ideas for some big things that could potentially show up on, like, the Patreon feed and the regular feed. I'm really excited, but I mean, it's, we got to follow through. That's the big thing. And I'm just going to keep harping on people in my, my emails. Oh my but, God, Mike's uh, poor emails. They're like, <laughs> they're so like scolding and pleading at the same time, but also like very gentle in your mic way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I... I, I want to jump in real quick and say, like, yeah. if you just listen to the show, you have no idea how much behind the scenes stuff, non audio stuff happens between all of us that I, I makes me so happy. The emails from Mike, the chats that we have going on on, on uh, Telegram, like we actually are all friends, which is, is, is so wonderful to me. That it is a, like a group of people that all get along and can joke with each other. And the fact that the show is kind of like a, a, a small sliver of what of all that is kind of amazing. And I really hope yeah. that people who listen regularly feel part of that because we definitely also have a lot of fun interacting with them too. Yeah. Yes. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's really great to like seeing people from the show interact with folks about things that aren't even comic book related. Like to see people <laughs> who we regularly talk to on the the show Twitter also talking to you guys and you know chiming in about some comic or talking about wrestling or or whatever and seeing an, or, hey did you see this article and then they they tag a handful of us like that's really cool that blo- and then to see you guys without the show Twitter interacting um like is like organically is just like fucking cool like we're building this really cool mesh of people that just kind of like are in this little tiny community this very niche community um yeah, I mean, and I'm really excited for the next zine specifically to show off some of that stuff that you were talking about, Paul. I think one mm-hmm. of the things we're going to do is throw some screenshots and some chat convos and tweets and stuff into the zine for people that may have missed them. Um, that's going to be really cool. I'm That was such a great idea. I don't remember who threw that in there. Oh, but that's that me. Was such a great I take idea. screenshots all the time of like dumb <laughs> shit yeah. from group chat. So I'm, I need to throw <laughs> yeah. those in a doc and send Uh-oh. them over because especially out of context, I feel like they're just so dumb and hilarious. But also such a perfect video vignette of us yes Mm -hmm. totally yeah this show is this show is great i'll just say that that's that's like my my minimalist sum up i i can't believe that like i don't know paul you nailed it on the head like this is just a it's a really cool community that we built and now we've we're continuing to do so like that's that's the best part it's not like we're sunsetting anything it feels like we have like there isn't a light at the end of the tunnel the tunnel's still going that's that's a weird way to say that but like we still got this big long path ahead of us um i don't see the show going away so like that's a great thing i'm not mm-hmm. tired of it i'm not like exhausted um because i'd worry that if like if if i weren't driving it the show might flounder and I'm not even remotely tired of it. I just want to keep doing it. It's like I built my life schedule around it. Every Sunday, this is what I do. Sit down to record um, with you guys to talk about all sorts of stuff because otherwise I don't think I'd get as much comic book interaction um, with folks because I, as I've said on the show many times, I hate talking about comics with people. (laughs) (laughs) Except for on the show, it's like... (laughs) it's so bizarre because there is that thing like you were talking about before Paul where there's a lot of negativity out there with comics and so when you mm-hmm. start to bring up that conversation it can get really rough really fast Yeah. but I know that I we can have conversations where we have differing opinions and it's never going to come to blows we're, all, we're listening to each other and I want to you know um, make a point here to say 
Um, I think a good example of that is the the episodes that Kara and I have done this year. And I want to say shout out to Kara since she's not here in this episode. But I think me and her did three minisodes this year, past year. One of them was Grant Morrison one, which was that exactly where we had differing opinions about Grant Morrison. But it wasn't an argument or a back and forth thing. We had a legit conversation about what we what I liked and what she didn't like. And I think we didn't convince each other otherwise, but it was a very honest and fair and, you know, personable conversation back and forth about something that we disagreed on. And I think those conversations are very rare, you know, so we did that one. I think we did one about the one we did at the end of the year with the In Memoriam episode. And then Mm -hmm. we did one about Superman for Action Comics 1000. I have, I really, really cherish those types of conversations. And the fact that they happen on this show is is really wonderful. Yeah, those were very good episodes. I really enjoyed them. Yeah, I agree. We've had a lot of really positive feedback about those episodes too. I just oh, say that. Good. So, yeah. so Paul, if you just want to run off to your own thing, I don't blame you. Like, but like going off of that too. Um, I, part of what I was trying to do with this as an interview is make it less about like this. We're going to talk about comic books and more just like, hey, we're friends hanging out because I I feel like that is part of the show. That's an important part of our show. Like, hey, we're friends hanging mm-hmm. out. Sometimes we talk about comics, yeah. but sometimes we talk about death <laughs> yeah. or other things. I, I, I like that that was kind of the tagline for this is not an interview. It was always, we talk about these nine things and a little yeah. bit about comics. <laughs> like, that was great. I really enjoyed that. But just, you know, the whole idea that we're just all a bunch of friends and we can have conversations about things that sometimes we won't agree on. But like, at the end of the day, we care about each other and and it's not... Um, there's no drama here for the sake of drama, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're kind of, we're kind of running out of tape. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to say we should wrap this up. One really cool stat that I want to just call out from the, the survey that we did, which if you're listening to the show, thank you so much for doing that. That really means like a lot to us to actually know what people want to hear from the show, what they like, what they don't like. Cause if there are things that you don't like about our show, we want to make it better for you. And sometimes we can't do everything, but we, we do really try to address some of the things that were brought up. And we, you'll see that hopefully in the coming year, some of the things people brought up that they said, Hey, could you do more of this? Could you do less of that? We're going to work on that. And we're always trying to improve the show, make it better. Like I think we've got our formula for the episodes down pat. I don't think that that's changing, but um, otherwise like what was really interesting to me was that 30% of the people that took the survey had only listened to the show in the last three months, and the other 30% had been listening for one to two years. So it's really interesting to see this this huge difference in the in the listeners that we have. Uh, and I mean, this is just a small sample size. We only had like we had 31 people respond to this, um, and then we had like 20% of people that said they'd been listening for six to 12 months, which is pretty cool. Um, and I think we've seen a lot of growth in the show, and I'm hoping that in the next year we're going to see even more of that as we start to push our presence out even more, getting more creator interviews, getting more interviews with comic centric folks, not just creators. We're hopefully going to do more and more of that this year. I'm making it a 2019 goal to bring back at least one or two of the people we talked to in the last two years onto the show. We might have to call up our boy Dennis Camp, or we might have to call up Ben Saunders, or somebody, maybe we'll get Hope Nicholson back, who knows. Um, it'll be a whole thing, but we're, we're, I want to try to get those people back to be like, hey, you were on the show before, let's talk about something else other than maybe your comic or your thing at the Mopop. What else is new? What else can you say about comics? Because you're a person that we appreciate being on the show, and those episodes are always a lot of fun to record. I had a great 2018 doing the show. I just want to say, like, like I, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, comics fatigue is a very real thing. 
You know, I, I get burned out on comics a lot. But every time I'm on an episode, I sit down and I hear Mike's enthusiasm or other people jazzed about comics. It reinvigorates my love for the medium. So mm-hmm. it serves that purpose for me. And I'm excited for that to continue, I guess, in 2019. Let's do this little credits thing that we do. Um, you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Kate at Kate Elfier. You can follow Paul at Ohi Polly. You can follow Tia at Portrait of Madam X, The French Way. You can follow... Nick at Death Star Plans. You can follow me at Mike Rappin. You can follow the show at IRCB Podcast, where we post and share comic news, art, sass, fun conversations, really cool things that we see. Sometimes screenshots from our internal chat. Uh, and that's pretty much it. I didn't give anyone credit notes, so whoever wants to take one, go for it. You can check out our Goodreads group at goodreads.com. Um, you can give us a recommendation for what we should read in 2019 right now. You can also visit ircbpodcast.com, where we have a pronunciation guide and merchandise. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and review the show. Tell your friends about it. We really appreciate that type of uh, interaction, and it does help the show out a lot. So thank you. You can email the show with comments, questions, jokes, etc. at ircb at destroythesibe.org. We'd also love to have you subscribe to our Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash ircb podcast. We have exclusive audio there and articles, early access to top of my uh, top of my pile posts, as well as early access to episodes, uh, and much, much more. Yeah, we've got a lot of really cool stuff probably coming directly to the Patreon this year. So make sure you go out there and subscribe. Even at the at the tiniest tier, you'll still get access to those those episodes. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all the music for our show. Xander, boy, can we just take a moment and just say thanks to Xander re- right real quick? Thank of course, thanks, Xander. <laughs> Thank you, Xander. <laughs> we did the thing that you, we know that you hate, and we all talked over each other. <laughs> So thank you, Xander. You've been a blessing to this show more than I think you know. Without this show, it literally would not be possible for us to make it and record it and put it out on time. You are the absolute best person that I know. I love you to death. Thank you for 2018. I want to say thank you to Kate, Tia, Paul, Brian, Nick. Who else is on the show? Renee. (laughs) (laughs) Kara. I'm sorry. I, everyone that's been on the show, all of our guests that we've had, I, Kelly's not here, but I want to say thank you to her for letting me take up every Sunday of her life with this show. She's the, the best person. I love her to death. I mean, it's probably why I'm getting married to her later this year. Um, <laughs> thank you to the listeners. You guys, I cannot express, I've said it the last couple weeks, I cannot express how like amazing it feels to know that this show means a lot to you. The fact that you guys are reaching out and telling your friends about it and recommending us to other people, it is unbelievable. We've come so far in five years. I can't wait to see what the next five years have to offer. Um, So until next time, uh, comics are good. So are you. Thank you again, you guys. This has been an awesome episode. It's been a great year. I'm really excited to see what we do in 2019. And we will check you next week when we've got some really cool stuff coming. That's all I can say. Thank you. guys follow that star wars text post account what is this it's just the it's sw text post where people just take this whoever runs it account it's a twitter account sorry okay and um they just take screen caps from the star wars movies and then match them with tumblr posts like tumblr Uh, just like one line text posts i don't know if i know the exact account but i like 
I've retweeted it a handful of times, them. but okay. My favorite th- they just tweeted a second ago. It's a picture of Han like arguing with Leia. <laughs> And the caption is, you think you want me to shut up? I have to listen to myself even when I'm not talking. <laughs> Same, hon. I just, the, the whole thing is like, it's very like twisted headcanon stuff, but it's all like, they're just changing the canon just to suit whatever needs. But like, <laughs> like there's a picture of Ray and it's like, you think I really give a fuck? I can't even read. Like, <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> the whole account is just it is full of gems and it's fantastic. I I have like Twitter notifications turned on for it because they don't tweet very often, but boy oh boy do they when they tweet does it warm my heart. It's like the perfect warm up I need in the middle of the day. It's like there's a picture of two pictures and one of them is Obi-Wan and it says, "Do you ever think?" And the next picture is Anakin. He says, no, and you can't make me. (laughs) My favorite, um, I think it was a Tumblr, and it was like a mashup of basically the prequels and some of Rebels, um, but with Brooklyn Nine-Nine quotes. Oh, my God. That is fantastic. Like Crisket Nine-Nine or something it's called. It is (laughs) so funny. Like, I kill myself laughing at that when I when I first discovered it I basically just went through and liked like their entire backlog of posts mm-hmm. oh, I man. wonder if anyone's ever done a Fast and the Furious episode 1 pod racer mashup because I think that would oh be fucking my insane God. natural natural fit yes if the question is who <laughs> the answer is you oh my god like uh, the, that the, just the, seems was, perfect there was a tumblr account for a while that was running that just took arrested development quotes and put them on screen caps of game of thrones uh. and oh man it was i if i could find i think they might have <laughs> shut down but man it was fucking perfect i'm sure there's a cersei that says look at me getting off on being withholding oh I'm sure. my god oh, i'm sure oh i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> my new favorite thing is the aussie man uh game of thrones recaps because i actually no, I- list a lot of stuff in my binge watch Right. Which I'm learning now. Because also I fast forwarded a lot of stuff that I didn't like. <laughs> oh, sure. But um, yeah, they're pretty funny. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's a. I was just talking to somebody who's also doing like a rewatch, and I was like, man, that's a lot of that to take in I think, in a short amount of time. I think it was bad for me. I think that it honestly was like bad for my health as a human being <laughs> to watch all of Game of Thrones in like three weeks. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Ugh, I I really I think I've told people it's like yeah you should watch Game of Thrones but like space it out or else <laughs> I don't yeah, really know no. what the else is I was I was talking to someone about this actually and he was like you know imagine having to like you're binge watching it that's a, an experience but imagine having to like digest everything over a period of a week and that's I think maybe how some people were able to stomach some of the more awful shit like some of the ramsey shit because it wasn't like oh yeah a relentless cavalcade of flaying and penis cutting off yeah that whole season i can't imagine watching it back to back because it would just be like a fucking overload i fast forwarded a lot of it because i just was like i can't and also like god the night watch shit is so fucking boring yeah that one episode (laughs) that was like all at the wall i literally skipped the whole episode i was just like i can't do this uh, you mean you don't love watching Jon snow just brood for 50 minutes milk toast boring ass motherfucker (laughs) 
<laughs> that's that's pretty much how I felt about every character on that show. God, I oh, fucking man. hated that show. The giant when I tried to watch it. So I yeah. really had to push through the first several episodes in order to be like, okay, I am marginally interested in these three characters. Like, I I honestly feel like Cersei ha- she earned that throne. Everyone just needs to sit the fuck down. Well, in a world full of brutality, like yeah, she did. Like, like she's playing yeah she's playing the game right according to the rules and everyone's like Cersei you're the worst it's like no no motherfucker this is how the game runs That's how it works. don't hate the player hate the game also like, I just I'm really fascinated by her because like okay she fucking hates Tyrion because he killed her mother in her mind mm-hmm. and like she's also just such a freaking psycho about her own kids that there, like, I want to know more about that. Like, what was her mother protecting her from that she was then exposed to when her mother was no longer there that she then turns around and feels like she wants to protect her kids from to the extent that she tolerates Joffrey? <sighs> yeah, that's uh, that's the question we all want answered, I think. 